Welcome to a new year, folks. Before we get into this episode, want to let you know all my New York folks in the tri-state area, I will be hitting the stage at Caroline's on Broadway. That's right. Caroline's in Times Square on January 30th, 31st, and February 1st. Come on out and see your girl. It's going to be a good time. It's my first time back on stage for this new year doing an hour. And it's going to be a whole lot of good shit because you know what? I got a lot to talk about. All right. New year, new shit talking. Let's see you there. Tickets available at smartfunnyandblack.com. Also, all my Northern California folks, you can check out Smart Funny and Black at the Fox Theater in Oakland, California on February 22nd. Get your tickets today at smartfunnyandblack.com. It's so funky. <laughs> Just like that. It's a new year. I feel the need to let you all know that I'm recording this before January 8th. So things may happen after I record this that I'm not speaking on. Uh, You know, we don't know how the world is going to turn. We can't predict. But I am speaking on the other side of the decade from 2019. And I want to talk about moving on. Because as we step in to 2020, you got to figure out what you're going to leave in 2019. So for anybody listening to this today, ask yourself, What do I want to leave in the last decade and in the last year as I move forward in elevation and growth and pursuance of my desires, my goals, my dreams, my loves? Let's drop a jam. Jam dropping. Jam dropping. Jam dropping. We're dropping on these hoes. Our first jam drop of the year is avoidance versus acceptance. Now, when we talk about the concept of moving on, it's really like, okay, in order to move on, what is the method through which you're doing so? I think for some of us, we like to think that we are coming to terms with something and dealing with it and managing it and then choosing to leave it behind. But I think some of us are lying to ourselves and we're not really dealing with it. We're just trying to forget or we're just trying to displace or put it in a drawer and keep it moving. This is the difference between acceptance and avoidance. When you're avoiding something, you're simply not dealing with it. And not dealing with it isn't just like, oh, I'm not letting it bother me. It means that you're also not gleaning the lesson from it. It means you're also not making it turn into a positive. You're not mining the diamond from the rough. And I know that there are some situations where you feel like, well, there's nothing to win from it. Listen, there's something to win from every situation. It may be a Pyrrhic victory. Don't get me the fuck wrong. But it's still like, oh, man, you got to try and find. And listen, maybe you can't find a win. At least find the joke. Try and find the joke. You know, I've definitely been in some very precarious scenarios where I've seen people who were literally like on their deathbed and still able to be like, you know what? How crazy is it that da 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 da? And I feel like those people are my heroes because at the lowest is when it seems like they'd be the least to laugh about. But it takes a certain level of 
really looking at something head on to find not only the pain in it, but also the punchline. And when we are avoiding, we are robbing ourselves of like these gems that these hard times are like bringing up for us. When we go through these fucking bullshit ass situations and we deal with people that hurt us, et cetera, et cetera, it's like you, you deserve, deserve to come out of that with something and move forward with that. You deserve that. So when you avoid it, you're robbing yourself of something that's actually positive, of a mineral of, of truth that can feed you, that can help you to maybe just avoid having to even go through this again. Avoidance also is about fear. It's about the fear of facing it and not liking what you see. Maybe you don't like what you see about how you played yourself in the situation. That's a doozy. I can testify to that. Also, when you avoid dealing with things with other people, sometimes, you know, it's really about you not wanting to have to deal with the confrontation of the situation. Maybe you didn't even do anything wrong, but you're avoiding the reality of like someone wronging you and what that makes you feel like. But listen, acceptance, acceptance, acceptance is the shit. Because acceptance is you looking at something and you saying, okay, let me sit with this and get to the bottom of it so I can be done with it. So I can be done with it. See, when you avoid something, you're just batting it away. It's like a tetherball. You know, you're just batting it away, but it's still stringed. It's still there. It's still going to come back around. Acceptance is taking the ball, cutting the string, and placing it on the ground, then kicking it across the court, across the valley, over the mountains. You know, like how Napoleon Dynamite's uncle used to be like, think I can throw this football over those mountains. Think I can do it. Like, that's what you want to be able to do with a situation. But you know what? You need it to be light enough. Like, when shit is not really accepted, shit is too heavy for you to throw away. And that's what baggage is. Acceptance is you looking at the shit dealing with it, and this is whether it's a relationship, whether it's a disappointment, whether it's behavior, whether it's um, a drastic decision that you made, that whether it's a failure. Acceptance is looking at it and finding the understanding and the lesson, and if you're lucky, the laughter in it, that allows you to move on from it with the best parts of it so that you can continue to pursue being your best self. TNT, we're serving it. First question, how can I return back to myself after a significant life event such as a breakup or finding myself in a shitty situation? And why does this process take so long? Is there any way to speed up the process? I mean, I think the easy answer is someone's gonna say like, therapy, or, you know, distracting yourself. I'm going to just tell you what works for me. When I can figure out a way to get my heart and mind to agree, that's when I'm able to move on. And that comes at no easy feat. Like in the beginning, it can feel like your heart is definitely talking louder than your mind. Which is why, for me, I feel like I have to like really work hard to like give my mind a voice. And that voice is logic and rationale. And my therapist is always like, you know, you got to go to the facts. So I talk about that a lot on this show, about how the facts end up grounding you, providing you with confidence, providing you with security, et cetera. So for instance, like if you're going through a breakup, it's like 
your heart is like, I miss this motherfucker. But your mind is like, you know that shit had to end. But the I miss this motherfucker is so much louder than the logic. And so you have to figure out how do you make the logic louder? And I can 1000% tell you, like, I struggle with that with relationships. Now, in my business life, I don't struggle with that in the same way. In the business life, my heart would be like, I really like this. But my brain would be like, shut Shut up. It's a bad idea. And they're not on point. And I, my, my, my mind in business is so much more resolute because the lines are so much sharper. So I find myself trying to pursue in my personal life a sharper grid upon which I'm moving. So that when these things happen, these disappointments in people, et cetera, I don't take it as hard because I feel like I have somewhere to stand on and I have a map to look at on how to get back to my 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 common my my security, my space. So one of the things I do is uh and this was suggested by my homegirl Christina, who has been on side effects of self-care, is really like writing in my journal what I would like to be happening. So it's like, if you're struggling with a breakup, you write in your journal, like I want to be done struggling with this breakup. I want to be, and you envision what you want. I try to wake up every morning and picture in my mind, what I would like, where I would like to be. And it can be as far fetched as you want. It could be as basic as you want. I would like to be over this motherfucker. You know, or I would like to not be sad that I didn't get this job. Or you can even flip it and be like, and take the negative out of it and be like, I'd like to be happy in a new, better job. I'd like to be, I'd like to be comfortably content in my singleness, whatever. Whatever. But just trying to picture what that is. But part of that, even being able to get there is again, dealing with the shit first you have to like dissect your relationship it's just you have to do it in the right way and I think sometimes it gets a little too far and we dissect and dissect and dissect and dissect and dissect next thing you know it's like you're trying to do surgery on a chicken nugget it's like there isn't even a surface here so you have to just really kind of like get your temples of like why is this done and I try and plant my flag in those temples huh it's a temple, so. But I try and plant my flag there because when I get in my head and I get all like, ooh, la, 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 I miss this person, I can very quickly be like, nope, you can miss them. However, see that flag right there? That's the flag of that time that motherfucker fill in the blank. Or you don't even have to make it a special, specific incident. That flag right there is that person not being in the right place to be in your space. And you got to keep going back to that. It's like a thesis. And the other thing I would say is I'm really like, I do post-it notes. I mean, I know it may sound corny, but like I'll just write basic post-it notes like you are loved. Or I'll put like just reminders of like everything is how it is because that's how it should be. And you'll just put that in your house and you'll think I'm never going to see that. But you'll be surprised. You turn a corner, that shit is in your face. And you're like, you write. You write pink post-it note. Pink post-it note came through to me today. Appreciate you, pink post-it note. You pop it. But the reality is none of this is easy. And if you're a conscious person with a conscious mind, you have any level of emotion or feelings, it's going to be a doozy. But you got to remember that 
it's your mind and it is controlled by you. And so you got to find the things that allow you to control it at its best. For me, when I get a good night's sleep and I'm well fed, I'm at my best in controlling my mind from going down roads and paths that are going backwards from where I want to go. Next question. Can you move on and still carry someone with you when they have passed away, but also may just be gone from your life? How can you tell the difference between taking someone along with you versus having not moved on from them? Backslash grief, etc. Thank you for being you. Thank you. Um, well, I talked about this a bit in Gem Dropping, but I feel like, you know, especially in the place of grief and like losing someone in the physical form, I personally believe that the essence is always around us. So, you know, there's something to be said for that, for the energy. But if we want to get really woo esoteric with it, it's like there's negative energy and there's positive energy. And you keep rocking with the positive energy. And if you break up with someone, sure, there was negative shit, but maybe there was even just a glimmer of positive energy. Why can't you have that? Like that positive energy doesn't have to necessarily be attached to their physical form or to their, their being in your life. No, it's something positive they gave you. My ex gave me a lot of positive energy. He was not somebody that I could continue to be with. But to this day, I honestly, in my healing from our breakup, I don't have anger. And I've, it shocks me. I know it shocks me, too. But I think it's really because, like, I was somehow able to, in a very mature way that shows me that I'm growing, to glean the positive from it and and enjoy that. You know, I don't I don't find myself pining. I don't find myself um, angry. I don't find myself resentful. I simply find myself appreciative of the positive things that I'm able to carry with me moving forward and proud of myself for knowing that even with those positives, there were negatives that would not allow us to continue to be positive together. And it took me a while to like see that. But I think that you can carry forward in that. And that's really the best you can do, right? Because at the end of the day, it's like you never want to feel like you wasted your time. And you also don't want to feel like you lost. And when, when someone leaves the earth, like, that's what loss is. It's like, fuck, they're not here anymore. And they were such a part of me. So I think that they don't have to completely be gone. It's just the parts that are not healthy or that are not giving, that are not revitalizing to you. Those are the parts that got to go. But in terms of someone who passes, energy is here, honey. Energy is out here. And when people move on, you know, they're in the essence. And that essence becomes for everybody's taking. So take the good parts with you in that. Easier said than done. But these are DMTs and I'm answering questions. Next question. When you're in the process of moving on, how do you know when an action you're taking is part of self-care versus feeding into your default? I find it such a fine line between doing things because you enjoy them and are healing and doing things that may be a part of your self-sabotage. Hmm. For example, do I stay in and drink wine and binge Parks and Rec for hours because I want to, bitch? I love this show. I don't have the energy for outside interaction, etc., etc. Or am I being a recluse and feeding into my deleterious safe zone 
and not holding myself accountable to changing what could also be depressive state looks like. I, I think, think it's both. both. Only you know that. I will definitely tell myself, like, now you know you need to get up out this motherfucking house. So you'll, you know, like, you're, that question is you asking for my permission to tell you what you already know. You know. Because sometimes, you know how you know? Because you know what it feels like to do something because it's a choice and to do something because you feel like you don't have any other desire. That's different. Like, you might be like, I feel like watching Parks and Rec. I love Parks and Rec. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to veg today. I'm just going to fucking veg. And it doesn't feel like a response to something. It's just a choice you're making for you. I think when it's a response, when it's like, this thing happened, and so now I'm going to do this. That's when it, that's when you know what you're doing. That's when you know it's the depressive state. And even in that, I feel like there's, I mean, I'm not, an, I'm not a medical professional, so take my words with a grain of salt, but I think there's a certain indulgence that we give ourselves. You know, like when you would tell your parents, like, I don't want to go to school today. And they're like, okay, here's the deal. I'll give you the day off, but you got to go in that bitch tomorrow. <laughs> and you're like, okay, okay fine. fine. You kind of do that with yourself. Like, I'm going to give you the day off, but you're back at it tomorrow. I try and give myself 24 hours of, like, really indulging in the sorrow. Just really Sarah McLaughlin-ing, Fiona Appling, Sarah Berrialis gravitying, and then it's like I because I've given myself this like beginning and end time frame, I I hold myself accountable to it. So you got to know for yourself. You got to figure out you, and you got to figure out why you're doing something, and you got to ask yourself that hard question. And then the even harder thing is like. <sighs> Being like, okay, let me do something else. And mind you, you're always happier for it, right? Every time you're depressed and you're like, I'm not going to go out because I'm depressed. And then you're like forced to go out. You're like, I'm so glad I went out. But in the depressed, you're like, I, the, the idea of going out feels so insurmountable. It feels like I would be doing the Tour de France without performing enhancements drugs. I mean, it just feels like impossible. But... Yeah, that's a thing. It's real. It's shit. It's very real. And I get it, girl. I get it. And then we we have to face it. I'm not really sure how that related to moving on, though. But I answered it anyway. Next question. How do you move on and pursue your goals and dreams in life while worrying about the devastation climate change holds for our future? Shit. I'm a very passionate person. Part of me says that you can't think about that. You have to go for it anyway. But things look so grim and it's hard for me to focus on building when it seems like, for what? You just build for the joy. At this point, just build for the joy. Just build for the joy. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen. Aliens could land tomorrow and be like, we have to fix this shit for y'all. We don't know. Someone could be being born right now that's got all the blueprints of how we're going to fix this shit. You just don't know. There was a time when black people were enslaved in this country and waking up every fucking morning not knowing if they were going to die at night. And they still decided to have love. They still, like, 
had sex out of love. They still had dreams of liberation. They still tried to fucking escape and tried to escape and tried to escape. Like, you know, so I get it. Like, it seems very, like, it's very fatalistic, you know? And I, I'm not judging you for that, but because it seems like an insurmountable feat. It seems like we're going to end up in Interstellar with cornfields and that's all we're going to be able to eat for dinner. But the reality is that, like, there's that and then there's you. And all you can control is you. So, like, you kind of have to let that be what it is and move forward on what matters to you. And just let that be enough. I've definitely been in where you are, where you're just like, none of this shit matters. But your joy matters. You're still here. You're still here. So you might as well try and have the best fucking time. And if building things gives you joy, build it, baby. If they burn that shit down later, that ain't your fault. You had a great time while you were building it. Last question. So I want to move on from being complacent with my ideas and become an entrepreneur. I have so many ideas in my head that could not only make me money, but help others and also my creativity to work and inspire others. How do I get out of this space? You do it. It's how you get out. There's no, like, you do it. How do you do it, Amanda? Well, one idea is start talking to people who have already done it. Start researching ways in which it's been done. Start considering the practical like measures that you have to take to even get on this path. Prioritize. Consider with all these ideas, what's the one that you're most passionate about? And start moving forward in that space. Or maybe there's three that you're passionate about and figure out how to make those three interconnect to help each other so that the synergy is creating a momentum of elevation. But there's no like fancy schmancy answer there's no quick like here's here's the skeleton key it's just do it we think so much but in order to move on we literally have to take the step in the direction from our fear because really what it sounds like is you just have a fear of failure so you're just like i'm not gonna i I don't know how to like get these things going because really there's something stopping you and a lot of times it's just fear. It's fear of failure. It's fear of, <laughs> sometimes it's fear of success. Like, what if this shit actually works? Can I manage it? Listen, I've been dealing with that for a little bit. And I had to just check myself. Like, it doesn't matter. Just try shit. <laughs> just try. And if it goes left, try going right. But... You got to let go of the fear. 2020 is vision. 2020 is clarity. 2020 is sight and foresight and insight. It's seeing through. It's cutting through the fucking haze and the bullshit and the dumb shit and carving a path for you to see to fruition what you want. So do it. People I In this episode of Moving On, for people I like, I want to shout out all the people I'm moving on from that I once liked, that I don't like anymore, that I'm leaving in 2019 to make room for more people to like. I want to shout out. 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 I want to shout out.
that motherfucker. I want to shout out my former recent home dog. I want to shout out. Go fuck yourself. I want to shout out. <laughs> Rebecca doesn't know what to do. I want to shout out. Get him out of here. I want to shout out. Talking shit about me on Twitter. Fuck that. And I want to shout out Tajay. Because he wasn't shit last decade. And he ain't going to be shit this decade. Look at that. I feel, oh, I feel cleansed. I feel, I feel baptized in truth. I feel revitalized. It's like a colonic for my spirit. But I'm bringing some good folks into 2020. Yes, I am. I'm bringing some great folks. And I can't wait uh, to, to continue to bring more people we like to this platform. And we've really had such a great run of folks that have come on the show in the last two years that have really shown us why we should like them. And we're going to continue to do that. Now that we have removed and cleared the air and done an expulsion of the demons. But I'm fine. That one time? <laughs> In 2015, I decided to move to LA from New York. And there were a lot of people who had all these types of questions, like, are you going to keep your apartment? Are you going to be bi-coastal? You know, um, are you going to still, like, get your mail out here? You know, just really were concerned about, like, me still being connected to New York. And oddly enough, I just wasn't. I, I, had, I had decided to move because I no longer felt connected to New York. And I felt like I needed to exit because that was just not a thing anymore. And I feel like that's what's also like been an element of my relationships too, work and business. I mean, sorry, work and personal is that I'll reach a point where we're not really connected anymore. We're just performative at this point. And it's really been helpful in me doing exploration to get to the bottom of that because it saves me time and it saves everybody time because it's not us just wasting each other's time by doing this dance of habit. You know, at the end of this movie, um, Michael Berbiglia has a movie where he's like sleepwalking throughout the whole movie and he was about to marry this girl. And at the end of the movie, they both finally talk and they realize like neither of them wanted to get married, but they just didn't want to tell each other. So he was like, wait a minute, we were about to get married because we're polite. And it's like, fuck. And so often like, because we don't want to face the reality of something because it's going to be uncomfortable or it's going to maybe be hurtful or painful like to ourselves or to someone else, we end up just being stuck in it and not doing what we need to do to di dissect and detach ourselves and move forward. I knew that moving from New York to L.A. would, you know, maybe, you know, maybe I'd be lonely. Maybe I would miss my friends, you know, but ultimately I knew that in order to me to move up, I had to move on. And that's the real deal. And that ends up being the, the main bottom line for all this shit. And that's not even about ambition. In this case, because I'm talking about career it was, but beyond that, spiritually it was, mentally it was, emotionally it was. Because New York was killing me. New York was a bad relationship. It was toxic. 
And you find that when you excise yourself from those scenarios, you start being able to like see clear. I've been, I mean, I start having all this intuition and, you know, you start seeing signs and omens and your mind just starts being able to see things that may have even been there before, but that were distracted by you just trying to manage and you trying to lie to yourself to deal with what you're going through or what you're still trapped in. So, you know, as I get older, moving on takes on less of a dramatic tone and becomes more of just a pragmatic tone. And it becomes really just the bottom line. And it may take me a little bit sometimes longer than I would like to, to get to that pragmatism. But when I get there, I feel like my resolve is so sturdy, so much sturdier than it ever was. And it allows me to really like take every move on situation with its fullness and wholeness, digest it and come back stronger. And that's really the whole point. The last dose. Moving on. This new decade is is a real big deal because people, you know, we're making a transition. Anytime you're doing big transition, it's going to be a big deal. And asking yourself, what do I want to leave behind is really a big question. I know some things that I want to leave behind are a fear of elevation um, because of the byproducts that come along with it, whether it be fame or responsibility or, you know, being targeted. I want to leave behind a self-destructive behavior of getting in relationships with people who are not fully emotionally available to be in a relationship. Um, I want to leave behind the protective practice of paranoia. And I think that I definitely like have just because of how I was raised and just my own experiences. Like I have a, a tendency to think like first from the, the negative space of like somebody trying to get at me than the concept or the con- the considering space of like, maybe it's not. And I want to really leave that behind and get into a space where I'm just so comfortable and sure in my protection from, you know, my ancestors and from my spiritual base that like, even if they are trying to come for me, I'm going to be able to deal with it. So I don't need to be on guard all the fucking time because it's tiring. It's really exhausting. And I want to leave behind a, a perfectionism that, per, that paralyzes me sometimes from pursuing things that I know I'd be really good at if I could just like get out the gate, you know, and I look at other people sometimes and I start comparing and it stops me from, you know, moving into the into the niche that I can carve out for myself. And I want to leave that behind and really just just engage that bravery that I know is within me and that, I, that I've engaged in before, but just tap into it in a whole other level because I want to do things on a whole other level. And I want to leave, I want to leave that fear behind. I want to leave that fear behind and pursue with, not with abandon, but in pursuit of abundance. So those are my leave behinds. I suggest all of you guys, you know, consult with yourself 
on what you want to leave behind. And, um, you know, keep yourselves honest. Tell your friends. Tell your cohorts. You know what else I want to leave behind? YouTube comments. Because them motherfuckers is me. Stop it. A podcast network.